Thank you, Sarah Beth, and good morning and welcome again to Trinity Heights live stream. Well, this is not really what any of us were expecting, but I think uh, during this time of social distancing and sheltering in place and all of that, I think it's going to be really important that we continue to narrate our lives together and continue to tell the story that we want to, that we're devoted to and we want to live from. Uh, and so hopefully these live streams will be part of that. And so what I'm going to do is give sort of a more uh, abbreviated message, more like a 10 minute or so reflection. And what I'd like to start doing is having after that uh, some uh, conversations with different people in the congregation about that, the morning's uh, theme. So look out for that. That's what we'll be doing in the coming weeks. So that said, uh, I'd like to read you a passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And we're going to look at this over the next couple of weeks. It's just uh, three verses. Paul writes, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. So uh, back in the good old days, before the pandemic, before uh, I was on quarantine and they, they shut down all of the, the restaurants, uh, I used to work out of Le Pan Quotidien on 72nd Street. And very often in the mornings as I came up out of the 72nd Street uh, subway station, I'd, I'd look to my right and there was the Dakota building. And I'd often remember that, oh yeah, that's where John Lennon from the Beatles was shot and killed. We have a lot of details about how Lennon was killed. Chapman, who was a former Beatles fan, had actually planned the killing over the course of several months after he'd become incensed by something Lennon had said. I think he'd said something like, the Beatles are more important to some people than Jesus, or the Beatles are more popular than Jesus, or something like that. And so he'd flown all the way from Hawaii to New York City in order to kill Lennon, uh, but then he changed his mind and went back to Hawaii. Unfortunately, he changed his mind again, and so he came back to New York City to finish the job. And on the evening of December 8th, as he was walking in, as John Lennon was walking into the Dakota Building Arched Way entrance, which many of you know, uh, as he's walking through there, he, he glances at Chapman, who he seems to recognize from earlier that evening when Chapman had got his autograph. And then Chapman uh, opens fire, firing five hollow point bullets, four of which go into Lennon's back. Uh, they, they rush him to the uh, Roosevelt Hospital uh, where he was pronounced dead, uh, dead on arrival. We often know all sorts of things, all sorts of details about the premature and sometimes um, violent deaths of these popular and, and glamorous figures. Uh, their deaths have been carefully studied and reconstructed and, and various conspiracy theories have been put forward. And, and all of this confers on people like John Lennon, Ava Perone, Diane Spencer, an aura of sort of mystical stardom. Uh, I wasn't born when Perone died. Uh, I think I was five years old when John Lennon was shot. Uh, and many of you weren't around when Diana died, but we've all heard about it because people keep talking about it. Uh, other famous deaths might in, we might think of just recently, Kobe Bryant, John F. Kennedy, Marie Antoinette, or Cleopatra. So a third of the Gospels are devoted to narrating in some detail the events surrounding and leading up to Jesus' death. 
Now, considering that Jesus lived, you know, 33 years, this is a disproportionate amount of space dedicated to the very final week of Jesus' life. Uh, but there are several things that, that make Jesus' death just, just utterly unique, and I'd like to, to look at one of those this morning. So here's, here's the first unique feature, the first odd difference between Jesus' death and the deaths of these other famous people who, who I've already mentioned. We know how these people died, sometimes in as much detail, if not more detail, than we have about Jesus' death. But there would be something really odd, like something very strange, if we started talking about the bullets of John Lennon or the guillotine of Antoinette or the poison of Cleopatra, we started talking about that, people would look at us strangely. But the New Testament authors insist on speaking about the cross of Christ and the crucifixion and Christ crucified. Here's a few examples of what I mean. Um, there's a passage I read just now from 1 Corinthians but we preach Christ crucified, Paul says. Later on, he says, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Galatians, but far be it from me to glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And again in Galatians, Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. So uh, many theologians have pointed out that the terms crucified Christ and crucifixion and the cross are being used in a very specific way. They're being used apocalyptically. Uh, for the New Testament authors, crucifixion uh, and the cross were apocalyptic categories. So what does that mean? Well, when, when New Testament scholars speak of apocalyptic, they're trying to recover the original Jewish thought world, which, which didn't mean the imminent, apocalyptic in their world didn't mean the imminent end of the world. Uh, that, that was not a first century Jewish category. And so Jesus and the church didn't think in those categories. Apocalypse in Jewish thought had nothing to do with the end of the space-time universe. It was actually a political category which was waiting for a confrontation of the powers of this world with the powers of God. It was the, the kings of this world with the world's true king. And as a result of that confrontation, uh, our world, uh, this world, would be changed. The, the confrontation would not abolish the earth, but it would create a new state of affairs right here on earth. And so this is why the authors of the New Testament talk about the cross of Christ or Christ crucified or the crucifixion. When, they, when they're using those phrases, if you listen carefully, they're really using it in a similar way that we might talk about the earthquake or the tsunami uh, or perhaps world, the world wars or 9-11 or perhaps the way we're, we're going to all start talking about the pandemic as well. People saw the world differently after World War Two. People saw the world differently after 9-11. Perhaps we are going to see the world differently uh, after this pandemic. It's this confrontation with either the forces of nature or the forces of this, the, the powers of this world. But it's, it's an apocalyptic confrontation that changes the way life goes on here. And the Christian claim is that this apocalyptic confrontation of God with the powers of this world has happened at the cross. Uh, let's take a look at these uh, verses, for example. Just, just now I read for us 1 Corinthians, which really brings into confrontation the wisdom of God with the wisdom of this world, the power of God with, uh, and with the power of this world. 
Um, then take a look at Philippians 2. He says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Uh, Ephesians 6 says, And having disarmed the powers and principalities and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So there's this language of disarming the powers, triumphing over the powers, the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of the world, the power of God versus the power of the world, this idea of a servant and crucified criminal being given the name above all names and exalted to the higher place, uh, this, the, the highest place. So all of this confrontation, Paul says, happened at the cross. If that's the case, then we should really be able to see this reality working itself out in history, and actually we do. It, that the wisdom and power of the Roman world said that those with rank and status and wealth and power had the right to do what they wanted to with those below them, enslave and crush the powerless, abandon the sick, throw out the poor, persecute uh, the, the minorities. It is the apocalyptic event of the cross that reevaluated those Roman pagan values and turned them on their head. And it's the logic of the cross that has overturned our values over and over again through the centuries. So that even today, it doesn't really matter if you're the most conservative traditionalist or the most enlightened progressive. If you are defending the unborn or defending the rights of a minority group, we're all to one extent or another operating out of the values which were given to us by the apocalyptic event of God confronting the world through the cross the tracks of this Christian theology, theology of the cross, wind themselves everywhere. And it is this theology of the cross that I hope will wind its way through our lives, especially now at this time in a pandemic, where we have the opportunity to allow the cross to reevaluate our values once again, perhaps in some unique ways. Amen.